Chapter Fifteen of the Randolphs by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Fifteen: To Be or Not to Be. Between the last time that Maria closed and locked the kitchen door after Tom, and the time when she arranged paper and ink before her, she had developed a plan by which she intended to attempt the rescue of Grace from the misery that, in her sister's estimation, awaited her. This involved a letter, which she proceeded to write, and which I now copy for your consideration. My dear Ermina, and your husband too, of course, except that I haven't got used to saying it yet. I don't indulge in letter-writing very often, you remember. Grace is proving a treasure in that direction, but this evening I have something to tell which she might put in a different light do you remember that smooth-faced yellow-haired insignificant-looking creature clerk at mcallister's whom they call al parks i don't suppose you do there wasn't enough of him to remember but it will be necessary for you to collect your thoughts and try to descend sufficiently low in the social scale to recall him for he is destined to make you wish he had never been born in this country at least not to linger over disagreeable things the whole story in a nutshell is that grace is engaged to him just think of it ermina our grace doesn't it seem to you as if she were still a little girl in school with mother looking after her and being afraid she would take cold and have the croup perhaps you will hint as tom does that during those days i was younger than she whatever may be said of me now but you know the time never was when I was smaller than she, and I did not belong to the croupy sort either. I remember very well that Grace needed taking care of constantly, and that I did it. She would never remember to wear her tippet, and could never find her mittens, and she needs taking care of to this day. But it is not so easy to do as it used to be. When a girl imagines that she has lost her heart, no matter in how insignificant a place it is lost, she seems to grow obstinate. Ermina, I am so thankful that we had one wedding in our family that was a comfort. You know we always had to go around feeling, if not saying, poor Horace, but your husband never seemed to be a special object of pity in any direction. I am not much given to flattery, you know, but I can't help telling you that I never pitied him for securing you for his wife. Well now, Ermina, what are we to do about this matter? Tom says, or seems to feel, that there is no use in attempting to stop it. He says Grace is not under our control, and she has a right to marry without regard to us if she chooses to do so but that seems to me to be a sort of heartless way of disposing of the matter, and it is an impossible way, so far as I am concerned. I have got to attempt, then. If I fail, it will not be my fault. My first attempt deserved to fail, I suppose. It was such a blunder. You see, I have been taken by storm, never dreamed of anything so absurd until to-night. Then certain developments amazed, not to say vexed me, and I did what Tom calls pitching into her. She was as dignified as if she had been my grandmother. But I don't blame her, for Tom says I could hardly have done anything more ill-advised than to talk to her as I did, and, though I told him that I did not thank him for saying so, still it was the truth, and I knew it. 
the worst of it is that it has spoiled any further thing that i might do though i don't know what i could do unless to order the miserable fellow away from the house at the point of the broomstick i am willing to attempt that if that is thought advisable seriously ermina i am so distressed that i hardly know what i am writing it is not as if we had a mother who in her quiet tender way could talk over these things or if father were so that he could look after us we are wonderfully alone and have to depend on ourselves but do you suppose we have got to sit tamely down and submit to such a state of things i won't make wedding cake for this party i can tell you i know that you will be at your wits ends trying to recall the fellow and you want me to tell you something definite about him and i can't not because i don't know all about him but because there is nothing of him to tell about he parts his hair more to the left than any one else does and he smokes a good many cigars in a day and he wears a gold ring with a large glass plate on it on his little finger these with his many bright colored neckties are all the distinctive marks he has do you know anything really bad of him tom said anxiously and i assured him that i did not because i never had thought there was enough of him to be bad he is simply negative write and tell me what you think or what you advise and do be quick about it i am all in a twitter i expect to spoil the starched clothes every one of them to-morrow just because of my state of mind i wish i washed for that fellow i would be sure to see that his collars were stiff father is as usual he hasn't coughed quite so much for a night or two i sleep on the sofa in the sitting-room now so as to be near at hand to look after him the new medicine really seems to strengthen him a little tom is splendid i don't tell him so but really that boy does me credit he is as full of schemes for usefulness as alfred parks is of indolence the fact is alfred would make a capital foil to our tom think of having a brother such as he i hope mr harper looks well to his purse i told tom i should consider it my duty to warn him he is so busy planning for young men who have no homes and no pleasures he will need a bank account that will reach around the world yet after all one needs to expend very little anxiety on such as he i don't pretend to any goodness myself but i am thankful to the very sole of my foot that i have such good relations helen is really getting up some little interest in life again she goes to the hotel nearly every day and it is wonderful to see how tom and she consult together she thinks he is very silly and is wasting a great deal of money but she helps him waste it with a good deal of interest if the scheme succeeds in giving helen something to think about besides her troubles i think it will have accomplished something if i had time i would give you an account of a lady visitor i had this evening but that precious alfred has occupied so much of my thoughts that all minor matters must be left to another time having freed my mind i can go to bed now and try to dream some way out of the calamity which stares us in the face good night maria ermina sitting in her handsome rooms at home read this characteristic letter a day later and laughed and cried over it i have a letter from gracie's grandmother she said as her husband entered the room 
and it is impossible to read it without laughing, and yet it makes me feel very anxious. Sit down till I read it to you. You are called to a family council once more. The writing of the letter had been a great relief to Maria. Just what it would accomplish, she had not an idea. Her judgment told her it was absurd to expect it to accomplish anything. Yet the truth was, she had, during these late experiences of her life, come to have a certain assured feeling that whatever went into Mr. Harper's hands was sure to be acted upon, promptly and wisely. So, without letting herself reason as to what he could possibly do in this case, she allowed the satisfied feeling to creep into her heart that she had secured a strong ally. There was another thought that was a source of intense gratification to this inconsistent girl, as she put away her pen and went to the window to look out into the night, which was that Ermina and her husband would be sure to spend a good deal of time in praying about the new development, and getting counsel as to what had better be done. Though why a girl who never prayed, who apparently had more confidence in her own resources than in a lifetime of prayer, should be yet so satisfied over the thought that some people who believe in it were sure to pray, I am certain that I cannot explain to the satisfaction of any reasonable mortal. It was unfortunate for Maria that she did not attempt an explanation, because, being a girl of good common sense, she might have felt the folly of her own position, and so been driven from it. Passing over the tiresome waiting which Maria had to do, and the continual wonderment in which she kept herself during the Sabbath and the two following days that intervened, I bring you down to a certain Wednesday afternoon, when she sat alone in the little sitting-room, the door closed that led to the bedroom, that her father might have his afternoon nap, and she with a frowning face sewed on the patches of his dressing-gown, and wondered what was to become of it all, and whether it was possible that another mail should come without her receiving a letter from the New York people. It was not progressing well, so she thought. Grace had gone boldly to church on Sabbath evening, leaning on the obnoxious Alfred's arm, and on this very evening she was to accompany him to a concert. Helen was in a provokingly indifferent state, not inclined to interfere in any way, which, if Maria had thought of it, was an alarming feature for her to exhibit. But she did not hesitate to declare that if Grace could get a little comfort out of so insignificant a morsel of humanity as the said Alfred, she did not see what right they had to interfere and then she went over to the hotel to practice a new piece of music which Tom wanted sung at the next gathering. So Maria sewed and frowned, and presently the bell rang, a quick, clear peal, as of one who was decided in his own mind and in haste to prove it. There is a marked degree of character in the very handling of doorbells. It deepened Maria's frown, she was in no mood for the entertainment of the few callers who troubled themselves about the decayed and quiet family, but she put aside her sewing and drew her apron straight, and brushed the threads from it while she went through the hall, and gave in another moment a quick exclamation of surprise and pleasure. "'Mr. Harper! I as soon expected to see the President, and I am a great deal more glad to see you. Where is Ermina?' At home and well, 
I came in haste and on business. She judged it not best to come just now. Did you get my letter? Maria asked eagerly, as he followed her in. Did she, I mean, and what did she think of it? Has she sent me any answer? We got it, and read it carefully. Yes, she sent an answer by me. At least I came down to answer it to the best of our abilities. We will see what we can do. How is father? Better than usual. I really think if we had a doctor in the world who knew as much as he ought to, something could be done for father. I don't believe he has consumption any more than I have. Would he miss Grace a good deal, do you think, and would she object to leaving him for a while? No, Maria said, startled a little. Did he intend to recommend solitary confinement for Grace until she outgrew her folly? No, he wouldn't miss her much, because he sees very little of her. She goes in the morning before he is awake, and often he is too tired to see her more than a moment or two at night. What are you thinking of? We are thinking of carrying her off to New York with us, and putting her where she ought to be, in a first-class school, for a couple of years, giving her a chance to cultivate her talent for music and for— Common sense, interrupted Maria, as he hesitated for a word. A good deal amazed was Maria at this brilliant planning. Could it have been the result of the praying, she found time to wonder? But her surprise never took the form of silence. Her powers of speech were much too active for that. "'It is perfectly gorgeous in conception,' she said, with shining eyes. "'Just the opportunity that Grace ought to have had, and that if I had been the eldest daughter, as I ought to have been, she should have had. But, do you know, I am afraid she is infatuated to the degree that she won't do it. At least if he advises her not, she won't. And of course he will.' He is just idiot enough to offer such advice as that, and Grace is developing. She is as obstinate as possible. She will not hear a word from me, but goes about the house in an aggrieved sort of way, as if she were a martyr instead of a dunce. I don't wonder, the brother-in-law said, laughing in spite of himself. Maria, you don't believe in hearts, do you? Hearts, said Maria, in great indignation. I believe in common sense. That you do, and a most fortunate thing it is for this family that you have been given your share of that useful article, he said heartily, and with genuine affection in his voice. But in the meantime, I respect Grace for standing up firmly for the man whom she fancies she has chosen. He may be a very simpleton, but be sure he doesn't look so to her and she is giving deference to the man that he ought to be if he wants grace for a wife. Maria, is it just possible that you may be doing him injustice? I do not mean that he is perfection, and they are both absurdly young to think of such matters, but suppose they were not, and they had a true affection for each other. Isn't it possible that your natural anxiety underrates him? You have a talk with him said Maria, with a very sagacious nod of her wise head. Just spend half an hour in his interesting society, and have a talk on any subject that you choose, I don't care a pin what it is, and see what you will think then. That is all I have to say. The brother-in-law laughed. I mean to try it, he said quietly. 
well now maria are you willing to put this matter in my hands and let me manage it according to my own fancy of course maria said with energy if you can manage it at all you can do more than i and mind you more than i suspect you will be able to do for i never knew how obstinate grace could be we have always thought her yielding but i'm sure i hope she will be managed and you will promise not to open your lips to her on the subject either for or against the young man or the scheme or in any way whatever because to tell you the truth i am rather afraid of your energy in this matter you can plunge at a thing that is to be done until you pitch it over so that it can't be righted oh i'll keep still maria said a little piqued it isn't that i want to manage her it isn't that i don't want her to be miserable all her life or to be nothing but a sickly little simpleton if things are only done i don't care to have any hand in them you have had a hand in this mr harper said earnestly a most decided hand of course but for your warning we should have known nothing of it and but for your appeal we should hardly have liked to interfere but my dear sister you have learned only half of the verse you speak the truth earnestly forcibly and with strong common sense on your side but the verse says speaking the truth in love and don't you know that that part of it you have a way of keeping hidden in your heart so that the truth sometimes wounds where you would have it heal maria laughed her good nature had returned i knew you would finish up with a bible verse she said neither you nor tom can help it i'll be as mum as a block and i wish you joy of your work now go in and see father and i'll get you some dinner i know in my heart just how glad i am that you have come but i shall keep the knowledge to myself for you hinted that i couldn't tell if i tried End of chapter fifteen